1: The Ball Corporation's plant in Golden is looking for production technicians. You can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com when you search Golden. This position is on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's Plants. The company offers a competitive $27.39 per hour wage with potential for increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in the plant. The production technician role touches on the other stages of production, making aluminum cans and ends. This role is responsible for machine adjustments on high-speed production equipment and is an integral part of the production team, both in quality and meeting operational goals for volume. At Ball, all positions have importance and impact. The role has skills growth built into it, and many production technicians become maintainers, which is the next step in the production technician line. Employees who have started out as production technicians have even gone on to other roles in operations and management. Yeah, it definitely has the level of technical skill that people are looking for, since the old days most have an outdated perception of backbreaking labor. Much of this has been automated today. So, text GOLDEN to 77222, and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search GOLDEN to find that opportunity. Again, jobs.ball.com and search GOLDEN. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche <laughs> Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR. NBR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts. Ruto and AJ coming at you today, talking analytics in the NHL. A lot of you have requested a show like this, so we're going to dive into at least some of the basics of analytics for the league. First of all, AJ, how's Texas? Warm. Is it really?
0: Yeah, it's like 65 degrees.
1: That's pretty nice. That's
0: pretty nice. Yeah, today's actually the cold day.
1: All right, then. All right, living the dream out in Texas. Uh, So uh, let's start here. You first of all have the statistics that you will find in a box score. Goals, assists, points, some other things like plus minus hits, maybe TOI. Uh, Generally speaking, these are not considered advanced analytics in the NHL. Now, you can look at certain things like rates of, of these things per 60 and stuff like that that start to get more into advanced analytics. But for the most part, advanced analytics attempt to give a better picture of how a hockey game gets made, right?
0: Yeah, and it should be noted that uh, like box score numbers are a bunch of different things. It's um, shots, hits... Um, block shots, giveaways, takeaways, plus minus, goals, assist points. Lots of different aspects of the game are covered there. Um, outside of the fantasy hockey world, plus minus is the bad stat. More or less accepted as next to meaningless. I mean, it's not entirely, we'll say like 98% meaningless. Um, I occasionally cite it as like a fun thing, like the other day when I was like, Eric Johnson's plus 15. That was mostly just me being shocked that that was true. The,
1: the way I've always looked at plus minus is, one, it exists to point out outliers for an entire season, Ryan Graves was here and his plus minus was so far outside the realm of everyone else's that it was like, Hey, look at this stat. This is crazy. And instead of taking away that Ryan Graves is a quality hockey player because of his plus minus, which he is a quality hockey player. Don't get me wrong. When you see a plus minus outside the standard bell curve, that warrants further investigation to me. That means, okay, something weird is going on here. We should take a deeper look at it and figure out what it actually is. What is the yeah. anomaly here?
0: And typically, uh, something like a plus minus being out of whack will, will when you look into it, the thing that you'll find, um, the guy's just really lucky, mostly. Yeah. Uh, the, the on-ice shooting percentage with him out there is really high. Or the on-ice save percentage with him out there is really high. Or in the case of Ryan Graves, when it was totally out of whack, both.
1: Yep. Yes, there are yep, we'll a get there. lot of real-time. Well, at least one real-time, and a, a handful of sites that do track everything via NHL scrapers and otherwise. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about those in a little bit. Uh, when we're talking about advanced statistics, um, one thing that is just kind of accepted at this point we usually do our best to point this out when we're talking about it but unless you are told otherwise you should assume that advanced statistics are tracked at five on five Uh, it is it is assumed unless someone says in all situations or in this specific situation that if we're talking about Corsi or Fenwick, that it is at a five-on-five five metric because if you play on the penalty kill, of course the other team is going to have a bunch more shots than you do, or other situations like that. So yep, uh, the the specifics of that do go even further. People will talk about not just all situations are five-on-five; five, they will also talk about Corsi close, which. It, You have to look into it and make sure you know what you're looking at. But there are situations in games where we talk, we call it score effects. When a team's up by more than a couple of goals, it's going to change how the game gets played out. So, it, it just understand that every single advanced statistic out there has the context of when it's happening in the game. Yep. So... Keep that in mind. Assume it's 5-on-5 if you don't hear otherwise. Um,
0: It's an important distinction just because when we cite statistics, we don't always say it. We try, but we just assume that everybody's on the same page that we are with 5v5. I like to sort by even strength a lot. Which includes Um, 4v4, 3v3. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because those two minutes where you're a 4v4 could be really important in a game. Yep. And you want to see how they do. So they usually, uh, the difference between even strength and 5v5 in a single game is usually not very much, but over the course of a season um, can be a decent minute allotment. Yep.
1: Um, so it's it plus minus is interesting here as, as Chad has mentioned, it is even strength only, but it does kind of also count empty net situations. Um, so there are some weird things with plus minus.
0: Yeah, even that one has its its caveats.
1: Yeah. So uh, the other one, other basic thing about advanced statistics, and this is one that I see people choose to ignore when it benefits them a lot. Uh, everyone's guilty of this with statistics on a whole. The, the old saying is, "If you want to lie using numbers, just take statistics." Uh, when you're looking at advanced analytics, they are meant to be taken as an entire picture. If you want to cherry pick a stat here, a stat there, it can tell you something, but it's...
0: It can tell you a lot of what you want to hear, if that's what you're after.
1: Exactly. So if someone is talking about, oh, this player's course is ridiculously good, but they don't have any other stats to back that up. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's it's one statistic in a bigger picture of statistics where it's like, all right, maybe they shoot a lot of pucks while this guy's on the, on the ice, but maybe he also has an 80% offensive zone start, so of course they shoot more while he's out there. Um, so, it's... A bit frustrating i can understand to get into advanced analytics when you need all of this prerequisite knowledge to even start really understanding the statistics but it is something that has to be covered so you're not taking these numbers and making wild accusations with them
0: yeah um... Before we get into the analytics, which is really just shot metrics, for the record, when we talk about fancy stats, it's really all about shots. It's all about pucks being fired in the direction of the net, generally.
1: More or less, the goal of advanced analytics is to determine who is possessing the puck more, who's in control of the game it's not always going to be 100% accurate because no stat reflects anything perfectly. But in most situations, the team that is shooting the puck more is going to be possessing the puck more. Yeah. So that is the goal there. Uh, Uh,
0: I do also, just before we move on entirely from box score stats, um, I do want to add that... Things like uh, hits and giveaways and takeaways, the reason why we don't value them uh, very highly, certainly giveaways and takeaways, is that they're not very meaningful. The, the definition of them, they're, they're tracked very differently uh, in different buildings. Um, hits, that's especially true, where Minnesota and the Islanders are known for being extremely generous with what they consider a hit. Yep. And the Avs play in Ball Arena where they track hits much more tightly. So you don't see you don't see any of those fifty to forty five hit games in Denver. And it's not that those teams aren't playing physically, it's just that hits are tracked differently. So
1: there are a handful of arenas in the league where I am convinced that the giveaway takeaway stats are literally just made up.
0: <laughs> so. It's this is this is a really important uh note as we get into the shot stuff too because shots are tracked manually in buildings until yep. they get proper puck tracking.
1: It's not a perfect system, no doubt. Yeah,
0: about it. and there's there are some rinks that uh and the Rangers are by far the most well-known for this uh their shot data is skewed yep. heavily skewed so things look an awful thing the, the numbers there look a lot better uh, the, the chances there look a lot more dangerous than they actually are so when you look at the rangers underlying numbers you always kind of have that in the back of your mind when you look at games that get played in madison square garden you have that in the back and and on a on a single game basis most of these numbers that we're getting into are more of a okay this happened the more you know kind of thing yep um it's just good information to have more than it being super duper meaningful um as often as we cite these statistics on a night to night basis it's also important that we note we understand that some nights they don't they they just don't matter as much. Yep. Some nights,, um, you know, game situations play a lot into these things. It's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's just anything that uh, any any like on any short term number like with any statistic really, like anything in a small sample uh, only has a limited amount of meaning. So it's it's really important that we note that because I know that there's one guy that one of our one of the guys that watches the pod regularly who comes in and is like, "You guys over rely on analytics," which, if you've ever actually read any of our game grades or anything like that, you'll know that that's total bullshit because we regularly just disregard that stuff depending on what happens in games. JT Copper. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Like a guy. A guy has a. F- 35% Corsi in a game. You know, he goes 4 and 11, but he scores a goal and an assist and it's like pretty impactful game there, don't you think? Even though even though those numbers were bad. So, um that's a that's a, an important factor. Okay. A, an important thing for us to note as well.
1: Uh do NHL teams give their shot trackers video assistance? uh not live live they're just tracking the game yeah happens uh there are certain projects out there um i know Corey schneider does he still do the passing project he used to do the passing project where he would go back and watch almost every single fucking nhl game like an absolute madman which the passing project a whole nother thing that we're not going to get into on this show there are some advanced statistics that are you're deep in if you're talking yeah about that stuff.
0: getting in getting into the getting into the zone entries and uh like the stuff that uh, Will Scouch tracks for prospects and things yeah um a lot of the transition like we won't really get into the microstats on this show yep the ones that really dig into uh like the deep into the specifics of them this is this is more of a people just trying to understand the basic analytics that we use on a regular basis, not the hardcore stuff. Uh,
1: what is technically considered a shot? Anything that hits the goal in the offensive zone, or will a full ice shot still count? So this is a little bit up for interpretation based on yeah. the arena you're in and who's keeping track. Those things are fairly fast and loose, but for most. Things that people are actually actually interested in. The only thing anyone really looks at is shots from inside the blue line.
0: Yep. There are occasionally, uh, you will very occasionally see a dot on the outside of the blue line. But it's on the correct side. It's on the offensive side of the of the center ice line. Yep. Um, because usually those guys are trying to put it on net. Get a and that's off where... The, yeah. That's where in between the blue line and the and the center line is where there's interpretation where if a guy just flips a puck in and it takes a bounce and it ends up on net, he won't get a shot on, on goal for that. But if he slaps, you know, he takes a slap shot and it's very intentionally on net, yep. uh, it will count. Yeah, most most arenas will count that as an as an actual shot on goal, even if he goes to change or whatever.
1: One of the shortcomings of analytics, I do think, is, is the vagaries of how some of these stats are tracked. It's it's also just a reality of the future of statistics. Things are going to get more complicated in those regards. Um, yeah. and we might talk a little bit more about that later in the show with things like war. But um, Anyway, uh, should we actually start talking about a few of these stats? Uh, on the most basic level... I think the biggest mistake the advanced analytics community of the NHL made is naming their statistics like absolute garbage. Corsi is a horrible name. I get it, You're naming it after the guy who came up with the statistic, and that's great. i glad, glad he's getting his recognition, but everyone in the world understands what shot attempts means. No one understands what Corsi means.
0: Right. Anytime somebody's like, I still don't get what Corsi is, and it's just like, it's shot attempts. Do you understand that when a team, when a player in the offensive zone attempts to shoot the puck, that's, that's it. The event. That's yeah. a course the event. That's all it is. It's a shot attempt.
1: Yep. That's it. It's that simple. Same thing with Fenwick. Fenwick is shot attempts minus blocked shots. Yep. Yeah.
0: Fenwick is the one that gives, uh, the, that views uh, shot blocking as a skill. Yep. Exactly. And so they're good to look at together especially in games where there's a really high number of blocked shots uh you get an idea of hey this team is really good at blocking shots then you want to look at fenwick numbers outside of course well
1: this team had 60 shot attempts but only 45 fenwick events. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so like twenty five percent of their shot attempts got blocked,
0: right? Like never, never made it through, never stood a chance beyond that initial defender. Yeah, but
1: for the most part, you're most of the time when people are talking about advanced analytics, it's going to be them Reds uh, looking at Corsi. Yeah. Now that comes in the event of you can talk about raw Corsi, which is just the team's Corsi across an entire game Their are Corsi for and against you can take that number and look at a percentage based Corsi 4% which says how much of the Corsi events in a game happened to one team or rather did they generate I don't Corsi 4% is a number that generally should tell you who possessed the puck more in a game
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um. You will see we a lot of weird things happen with that number though. We talk about it a lot too. Mm-hmm. Score effects are a huge thing that play into Corsi because you'll see teams dominate two periods, get up by two, and then play a third period where they have three shots on goal. Yeah,
0: they get they get out they get outshot attempted seventeen to five, yep. <laughs> and you're but of those seventeen shot attempts, six make it on net. And Uh, and none of them are, none of them are a scoring chance. There's no high danger chances, things like that, where it's just like, yeah, they threw the puck towards the net a lot more than you did that period, but you were playing defense, so it wasn't particularly meaningful.
1: So keep in mind, I guess to reiterate, context always matters when it comes to statistics. It's the same, same can be said of, of normal counting stats, like goals, assists and points. You'll remember last year through the first 20 games of the season, Belmar had four goals, but three of them were empty netters. So it was like, well, (laughs) context matters. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. And
0: when you look at, when you look at like Corsi four percentage, the reason why it's preferred by the analytics community is that even more so still than expected goals. uh, It is Corsi four percentage has proven to be more predictive accurately Uh, in the long run in the short run in we're talking a game or two, a week of games, a month of games, it's good data to have, but it's, you need a lot more games for it to be predictive. And that's, that's why it's considered, I don't want to call it the gold standard, but it's like the preferred number that people kind of lean on where, when you start looking into a team, that's the first thing that you look for. Yep. It's,
1: It's just like a a, a regular hockey game or hockey season, right? And Anyone can bust out a hat trick out of nowhere Mm -hmm. for one game. Yeah. But you look at that guy's entire season, and he's got six goals. And it's like,
0: okay. The The Sam Gagne eight-point game. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. It's crazy things happen in a vacuum, but a guy can shoot 30% for a week, maybe two, maybe a month. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it's going to normalize. Mm-hmm. And that's where advanced analytics start to mean more as the sample size gets bigger.
0: Yeah. And that's why when we always talk about this is unsustainable, this will stop, this is whatever, this is whatever. Um, there's the, the, the reason that we do that is because we're familiar with the baseline numbers like the, the the general area of where most numbers uh, are gonna sit you know things like shooting percentage yep. you know miko Rantanen's a freak of nature he's like an 18 percent shooter in his career so he has a different baseline than darren helm who yep. i don't even know but i would imagine probably sits right in the like a nine to ten percent range and then forwards and defensemen are very different. Defenders' defenders' shooting percentages are a lot more like in the five or six range, and the elite ones are in the eight range, yep. which is why when Kale McCarr shoots ten percent, and one of us is like, "Hey, maybe this is this, sustainable, this eh? may not be sustainable," and they're like, "People will be like, but it's only ten percent." You see guys do that every year, and it's like true. Typically, guys who play forward, uh, not a lot of defensemen shoot in that range uh, very often. So it's it's you know there's there's always deeper context where you just keep going, and and it's just a matter of learning and, and understanding them.
1: If you certainly, it wouldn't surprise you that uh, defensemen in general are going to take. Lower danger shots than forwards, just based on proximity to the net. But we can talk a little bit more about that in a second. Certainly, if you don't want to understand analytics because you're a numbers nerd like me, maybe you want to understand it so you can make some money on DraftKings sportsbook. You can use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account with DraftKings. Right now, if you bet one dollar on any NFL game, you can get a hundred bucks when either team scores a point. One point in an NFL game will get you one hundred dollars in free bets then you can go full analytics on the NHL and make that $100 turn into quite a bit more money for you if you, if you make the right bets. So hit up DraftKings and now, uh, use that DNVR code, be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply to DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We also have one of our newest sponsors in the Light Shade Dispensary. You can use code DNVR for 25% off your entire purchase over at a Light Shade location near you. You can shop online and get it set up for pickup through them. Uh, the way I was, I was told to build this. I'm not, a, not a big weed person, but I was told you can buy an ounce and it's like getting a quad for free. So, jump on the light shade train. Go get yourself some great stuff they have. Uh, highest awarded tropical brands in Colorado, which is Escape Artists, which prioritizes priority. Priority. I can. I can state words quality and consistency uh with ratios available in one to one and high ratio cbd 20 to one uh always using the best materials and ingredients to deliver the premium experiment experience wow i can't talk today uh they also have creams as well which penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort non-greasy non-staining fast absorbing takes 10 minutes or less to take effect and can last two to three hours so be sure to check out escape artists at lightshade again use that DNVR code for 25% off or more aj you're holding your mic right up to your fan but
0: uh, it's sitting on my desk
1: aha
0: uh-huh. aha uh-huh. yeah i just set it down i didn't i don't have my i don't have any of the holders that i normally have at home so God. i just i just straight put it down
1: yep and uh... You know, obviously the Avs aren't playing right now, but the DNVR bar can still be your home for, for Denver sports for the teams that are doing things and when the Avs are back in action, which hopefully will be very, very soon. um, You know, as of right now, they're expected to return to play on the 27th. Um, we'll see. But, Do you have any
0: confidence that that happens?
1: Uh, I have confidence that some teams will play on the 27th.
0: Yeah. I think Colorado plays.
1: I I just don't know. It it depends on how many dudes tested positive after, right?
0: Like, yeah. If there's still, Yeah, and how many of those were symptomatic.
1: Yeah, if there's still 6 7 dudes on the COVID list on the 27th, it's going to be tough. But yeah. if there's That's like true. a couple, yeah, they'll play. Um All right. Anyway, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, uh, where do you want to go next here? Do you want to get into, like, XGF stuff or or danger of opportunities, things like that, or where?
0: Yeah, we had a question in chat about goaltending, and I would just like to say that there are numbers, uh, there are metrics and things that track goaltenders, this may surprise you. It shouldn't, but it may. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time on those.
1: Yep. Uh, you can look into statistics like goals saved above average or quality starts, things like that. Those are those are
0: the ones that I use as quick references, but uh, even like quality start, uh, different places have different definitions of what a quality start is. Yeah. So even that one can get to be a little bit iffy at times.
1: This is, unfortunately, that's a problem you're going to run into a lot right now in the analytics community, especially as you get into these deeper statistics. There's no one set algorithm for some of these statistics.
0: Yeah, they all use kind of their own tweaks with uh, their, own, their own regression models and their own uh, their own emphasis on certain aspects of things, which is why, instead, instead of me looking at tons of different numbers from different places, I try and stay in the same, the same couple uh, of of metrics, because I'm at least familiar with the the thinking behind how they're how they're calculated, and I'm just on that page. So it just makes it just makes it just a, just a touch easier uh, for uniform reasons uh, to to kind of pick in an, an, an analytics place and more or less stick with it. it's always good to, to check the other ones out uh, to see if there are differences but you always kind of want to stay inside your own little room there just to just for the consistency sake I think
1: for the record, the sites that we use the most on this podcast are one, Natural Stat Trick. Uh, this will give you individual game and entire player statistics for the season, things like that. Yep. Uh, any of those player cards you see with a bunch of percentages on them, those are JFresh hockey cards.
0: Yep, he has a Patreon, um, yep. working on getting a, we- a full-blown website up and running. But right now, it's just a Patreon. Um with uh, player cards and things which we have examples of that we will get to later. Yeah, we'll get uh, and then I don't I don't really use them a lot but Evolving Hockey is great. Yep. Uh, is a great resource. Um again yeah. just just trying to stay inside my little zone um is that's there's the that's Evolving Hockey kind of gets left on the outside. Yep. The other one that I use is hockeyviz.com. I did yep. not put that on the list because I'm stupid, but that's the one that with all the heat maps and everything that we show on all the, every show, when we talk about players and we dig into their analytics and what does he look like and blah, 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 blah. We're going to get into all that stuff here in a minute, but hockeyviz.com is my, is where I start.
1: Mike, it does great work. So yeah, he, he's not on Patreon anymore. He recently switched it over to, I forget what it's called, but.
0: Uh, he just uses, he uses Stripe now. There it is, Stripe. Um, yeah, which is just a, uh, it's what we use actually on our website for credit card processing. Yep.
1: Worth every penny. Yep. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. This, goalie statistics are hard. We're not goalie people. Believe it. Yeah. In that.
0: <laughs> they can, they, they definitely present unique challenges. Um. Yep is my diplomatic way of saying, I don't know, man. All
1: right. So sticking to the skater statistics, AJ, uh, do you want to go into, to danger of opportunities or do you want to go into expected rates?
0: Uh, we can just start with, uh, danger. Okay.
1: So based on a, DB up of the offensive zone for the most part. Again, we're not really talking about shots coming from beyond the blue line. Um, every single shot has uh, is measured by how dangerous it is when it comes to uh, a lot of statistics. You can use the danger of opportunities for, obviously, low, medium, and high danger chances, but this also affects expected goals for rates um based on the location of the shot and obviously the most dangerous shots come from the home plate area if you don't know what that is that is out from the net essentially to the two face-off dots
0: yeah. and then draw. up
1: to the top of the circles and across but draw
0: a home plate yeah in the offensive zone with the goal being in the middle of it Yep. like uh, with the back line like the where you draw That's the is, is the goal the line. Home plate, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, it's...
0: It, it, it's It depends I mean, on the organization. Yeah, yeah. How much GMs and coaches value advanced stats uh, when it comes to player acquisition. It depends on the organization. That changes quite a bit from org to org in the uh, Avs case. Uh, It is a large part of their process. It's not the end-all, be-all, obviously. Look at things like Jack Johnson, Curtis McDermott, guys like that. Uh, It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's certainly part of their process. Uh, They absolutely look at it, and they consider it, and they they delve into that. It is also important to note that they don't use public data. They all have in-house proprietary stuff uh, their own modeling. Um, the abs are one of the most advanced in the league at how much they invest in, uh, the advanced modeling that they do, um, for things like aging curves, um, transition to their own systems, stuff like that. They all have the abs, the abs are heavily invested in this side of things.
1: Yeah. That stuff is going to be significantly more advanced than anything you're going to find publicly
0: for the most part. Um, as much as as much as I um, beg and plead the uh, stats guys for the ads, no shot. Nope.
1: Unless you got a lot of money to give
0: them. No peek, no peek behind that curtain. Yeah, I get the thumbs down. Nice guys, though. Great guys.
1: So, uh, look. Obviously, the goal of every shot is to be as dangerous as possible, right? That's how you score goals. High danger chances lead mm-hmm. to better scoring opportunities.
0: Yeah, I those chances do not consider defensive alignments. Correct. Um, so like if you're in a two-on-one, uh,
1: pretty good chance you're going to get a high danger opportunity.
0: Well, and and if a guy, you know, think about the goal that Nathan McKinnon scored in Columbus a couple years ago, yep. where he was in a two-on-one and he got. He got a a pass from I think it was Landeskog, like just a couple feet inside the blue line. Yeah, not a high danger chance. Nope, that one timer was not a high danger chance. I mean, it was maybe the most perfect and wonderful slap shot of his entire career, <laughs> but not when when analytically speaking, not a high danger chance. Um, if there's if there's a two on two and you know, a guy gets a, a puck, finds its way through, and both defenders, for some reason, commit to the pass, uh, and the puck gets through, and the guy ends up totally alone. It does not consider that he's totally totally alone. It just considers shot where location. that yeah yep. where that shot is taken from, and it will, depending on the model, might consider what kind of shot it is.
1: There, are, there are a few out there that can take into account players' shooting percentage. Yeah. But things get wonky at that point. For the most part, danger of opportunity just comes from shot location.
0: Yep. And... To reiterate, since Rob got here a few minutes late, Corsi is just another word for shot attempt.
1: Yep. Exactly correct. Um, And when it comes to danger of opportunities, essentially when you take a massive data set of every single shot in the offensive zone from the entire league, it can then take those shots and cross-reference them against how many of those shots from a specific location are a goal. Higher shooting percentages from that location means the shot is more dangerous. Because yes, while there are locations that you're going to see more shots come from better shooters, you're also just going to see As no one should be surprised by, most of the time, the closer to the net you are, the more likely you are to score a goal. Yep. Just reality. Yep. So get close to the net if you want to score, turns out. Um, And then continuing down this path, we're also kind of just explaining how you start to calculate expected goals for as
0: Mm -hmm. well. When you see that Jack Johnson finishes a game with 0.03 expected goals for, how the hell does that happen? Well, it means in that game at 5v5, uh, Jack Johnson was on the ice for a shot attempt or a combination of shot attempts that all added up to 0.03 of an expected goal. Yep. Now, these add up over the course of a game uh, to, you know, 1.89 expected goals for a 5v5 or whatever. That means that the goalie doesn't have to, you know, if he gives up four goals in that game, he's from an expected goals model, he's had a bad night. Yeah,
1: he got bodied. Um, yeah. Go ahead.
0: I'm good. Uh, the, 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 other, the one
1: other thing I wanted to mention that I think we kind of forgot to say. When we're talking about Corsi for or expected goals for or any of these statistics. Another thing very, very important, unless otherwise specified, this is on ice. This is not an individual player statistic. This is what happens when they are on the ice as a whole. Right. Um, so those
0: those do get tracked individually if you want to look at them. Basically never gets referenced by Rudo nor myself. Yep. Occasionally we will look into it if we want to see. If you see a guy has zero shot uh, shots on goal, if, if we get to a game where Nathan McKinnon has zero shots on goal or one shot on goal, we might look at it because that's you're like, what's going on and here? You look
1: at that and it's like, oh, his individual Corsi events were 12 and he
0: just missed <laughs> the net 11 times. Right, exactly. <laughs> then, you know, you're you're curious. But for the most part, we don't look at the individual Corsi events very often Yep, um, and never over a whole season. No, I've never once looked at it, uh, individual shot attempts over an entire season.
1: Yeah. It's, it's There are specific use cases for it, but a lot of the time the individual statistics are kind of in their own weird little box.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, just understand that we're talking about everything on the ice. So, when Jack Johnson has a .03 expected goals for, that means when he was on the ice everyone on the ice with him mm-hmm. while he was playing had that level of expected goals for
0: yep and that's what we mean when we say that's what his on ice results were yep. for that game
1: yep um, so that is important to to understand especially when it comes to things like expected goals for and and metrics like that and it's mm-hmm. not an individual players expected it's it's the full time he was on the ice everyone um, so. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. have a couple other places we can go next, AJ, but I, I'm not sure where you want to go. I know we have some charts to get to and things like that.
0: Yeah, I'll save those. We can save those for um, last okay. as we break those because we reference them a lot, and so I was just going to break them yeah. down individually pretty quickly. Yeah. So we can we can really just save that for the end.
1: Okay. Uh, we can get to that a little bit later. One other thing I want to cover is the concept of rate stats. Okay. So. When we're looking at these things, efficiency, yeah, and it's also a normalizer, right? Um, Because look at the league right now, look at the Avs right now in the NHL, they've played fewer games than pretty much everyone else in the league, right? Mm -hmm. So, when it comes to statistics like not percentages, but total expected goals or, or things like that, that are generated as a counting stat you would expect it to be lower than other teams because they've just simply played less time.
0: Yeah, their their minutes distribution is will be heavily in favor of, obviously, the guys with more games played. Yep. So you want to see the rate stats just to, to cut through some of the efficiency um, or, or through some of the noise and get to the efficiency stats.
1: And you will see... This is more outdated these days, but a lot of these rate stats at first before advanced stats really took off or tracked as per game, uh, such as points per game, is, is one that is used still a lot, especially on the NHL website. But the favored rate stat, at least in advanced statistics circles, is per 60, which means per 60 minutes played. Yep. Um, so not a full game per 60 minutes played by that player.
0: Yep. So theoretically if that player were to have played an entire game that's is, what he would have produced. This is
1: what the numbers would look like. Yeah. Yep. Granted, no statistic is perfect, you know. It doesn't include things like potential fatigue and and other stuff coming into. Yeah that type of conversation but
0: yep but the big thing that we do look at is points per 60 Yep. Uh, when you talk about rate stats there are some other things that you like to look at um i like to look at shots every once in a while i like to look at shots for 60 just out of curiosity mostly because nathan mckinnon exists uh and his individual uh shot rates are so freaking high it- that well, they're just fun to look at, but when you get into like points per sixty, uh, like right now, top five points per sixty guys on the Avs. Which who do you think they are? Just real quick.
1: Uh, McKinnon, McCarr, Kadri. Uh, now, yeah, the, the thing about points per sixty is it comes sometimes from these guys that are playing like minimal minutes a night.
0: Yeah, it's Kadri, Nachushkin, McKinnon, and Landeskog. Yeah. Okay. Nicholas Abe Cobell is seventh in the ads and, and points for 60.
1: It's not, should not come as a surprise to you that, oh, none of those are defensemen because defensemen regularly play 24, 25, in, in some extreme cases over 30 minutes a night, right?
0: Yeah. Devontae is eight and Kale McCarr is 10th
1: which is impressive.
0: Well, and Byron and Gerard are 11 and 12, and that really drives home, like, what a freak of nature Colorado's defense is.
1: And and this is the highest-scoring defense in the league. (laughs) Yeah. And they're barely cracking the top 10 of their team.
0: Yeah. I bet if I were to, just out of curiosity, if I were to filter this out by... Points per 60 for defensemen across the league with a time on ice barrier. I'm sure they'd be
1: very high, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that the abs are well represented here. Uh, Devontae's fourth in the NHL. Kale McCarn ninth. Yeah. Bowen Byram, 18th. Sam Gerard 20th. So they have four of the top 20.
1: Four of the top 20 rate scores in yeah. all defenses in the league. Okay, yeah.
0: not bad. And that's with a pretty low time on ice. I had a 50-minute time on ice threshold. Yeah could
1: easily knock a couple dudes off if you went up to like 400, 500 minutes there. Yeah.
0: I mean, even if I just go up to 200, man, it's going to, it probably knocks a couple of dudes out of there. Yep. Yeah. So points for 60 is basically just the efficiency of scoring. Yeah. If you go up to 200, the Fs have two of the top 14.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: That's good.
1: F defense might be good. Um, Okay. Uh, any other stats you specifically wanted to touch on, AJ?
0: Uh, not unless people have some questions before we get into the yeah. fancy the the charts and graphs and breaking them down. If anybody has any questions, now would be a good time to toss them our way, uh, and we can tackle the specifics that you guys are interested in before we get to the visual stuff. One in
1: chat already here. Um... Does possession have as much weight in analytics as shooting
0: or attempts? No. Um, The analytics that we are talking about that that we use are used as a proxy for possession. There are metrics out there that do track actual zone time and possession and stuff. Uh, They're a little harder to get a hold of. They're also inconsistent. And uh, they're not considered super meaningful because it's not rare that a team has tons of possession eight minutes of possession time you know and, and then no shots
1: there yeah there's so there's a couple of assumptions made here which aren't completely correct but for the most part part are correct one you can't shoot the buck if you don't have it
0: yep two that one is definitely true
1: in, well uh, you can shoot it with like through someone else's stick kind of. It does happen Uh, in more than 90% of cases outside of some very extreme scenarios. If you have the puck, generally speaking, you're going forward with it. Yeah. Maybe not in an exact moment where you're circling around, but over the long run, you're moving the puck down the ice into the offensive zone. Yes. Throw it towards the net generally. Um, So, under those assumptions, shots are going to represent possession. Shots, yeah. shot attempts, whatever.
0: Yeah, Whatever's they they present- are a proxy possession metric.
1: Yep. So, yeah. Um, was J Mac an analytical darling last season, just due to his high Corsi and low TOI? Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it goes to show you the value of offensive defensemen versus defensive defenseman because you look at a guy like jack johnson who doesn't aggressively make plays with the puck doesn't ever jump up into the play doesn't really ever look to create offense all he does is look to keep the play going so not a lot of offense gets created and he personally creates almost no offense but a guy like jacob mcdonald good old jcon he Drives the hell out of play because he jumps into it and is all over the place. And every time he has the puck, he tries to shoot it. And he's always jumping into the action and he's always circling and he's always pushing the puck forward, which is great for what he does. But you eventually have to play in your own zone. And that's where he really struggles is actual defending in his own zone, the physicality of things and this and that, which is why... It takes a village to build a good defense. You need a little bit of everything. You need a variety of styles. You need more sandpaper to go along with your puck skill. Now, the Jack Johnson and Jacob McDonald are extreme examples of guys on the opposite ends of the spectrum, where Jack Johnson, you're just hoping, hey, break even defensively. He is a third-pairing defenseman. You want him just kind of hanging out right around a league-average defender, And you'll take that uh, because he's not going to give you anything offensively. But with McDonald, he's not going to give you much defensively, but he's going to give all kinds of shot attempts. They're not going to be super quality. But when you get down to looking at it and you say, okay, which one of these guys do we want in our lineup for Colorado's lineup? Jack Johnson would be a little more valuable, but McDonald is a better style fit. When certain guys get hurt and it's why having both is nice. It's why having both is valuable because depending on the situation you're in, you could need both
1: to, to tie this back into rate stats. Essentially the comparison you're making is a high event player versus a low event player. Yeah. Now both can be effective or detrimental, but with a high event player, you're going to see more shot attempts on both sides of the ice yep with a low event player, you're gonna see less <laughs> on both sides of the
0: ice. McDonald is about as high as event as you'll find. Yes. Uh, we call him the chaos machine for now for 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 a good reason here.
1: and and again, this is going to play in game situations. You have a two goal lead with 10 minutes left in the game. you want the game to be as low event as possible. You want to give up as few opportunities as possible. You don't really care that much about generating more opportunities for yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: flip side, if you're down by two, you don't care if they score again. You need goals. So you're trying to yeah. generate as many opportunities as possible. Yep.
0: There's a reason that Jack Johnson plays on a PK and is, is out there at the end of games trying to shut it down. Yep. You want him to be a low event player. You want that part of the game to be as low event as possible. Ipso de facto, you throw him on the ice. There you go.
1: Just, uh, just uh, that simple. Uh, We are brought to you by Green Mountain Dental. You can get up with them just 15 minutes from downtown to make sure your teeth are taken care of. Get a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush to help you take care of your teeth at home. So go hit up Green Mountain Dental today for that. And then you can go on over to Chevalier Mortgage, uh, the Denver housing market. Prices have actually come down a little bit a little bit it's still completely ridiculous but a little bit so maybe it's slightly more affordable for you right now and cheval mortgage has you covered both mike and virginia have been doing it for well over 15 years now so so they know what they're doing and their ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing they strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind mike is a certified financial planner and with the highest level integrity also putting their borrowers first Even if you already own a home, you can refinance. If you have something like mortgage insurance, chances are you can make this bubble work for you. Prices are still crazy. So maybe go make yourself the money. You can find them at dnvrmortgage.com where you can get a free consultation and enter to win some free DNVR merch. Or you can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. Last, but certainly not least, we're also brought to you by Sexy Pizza, the east coast style pizza new york style i guess pizza here in colorado if you want some of that we do regularly have them at the broncos tailgate uh, i know we've started doing uh, the nuggets party bus too where i think you can you can get your hands on some of that so and then there you just pay for the tailgate ticket it's completely free the pizza comes included along with some beer so free pizza usually pretty good pizza provided by sexy pizza when you love it you can go to their actual location and uh, get their pizza whenever you like. Highly recommended. Be sure to check them out. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm ready to jump into some of these uh, charts and graphs of you are, AJ. Let's do it. All right. Should we start? I'm just going to start at the top of these that I see listed here. So I guess we'll start with Jay Fresh's. Uh, uh, we can start with McKinnon or Kemper, either one.
0: Uh, we'll start with Kemper. Just start with goalies because it's just going to be me shrugging. Okay. Uh, they exist! Yep. Um, now, these player cards are typically uh, as you can see, they're weighted across a three-year period here. Yep. Uh, and that's where the war percentage uh, comes from. Um, the war percentage, this is just him being in the 78th percentile, right? Yep. Uh, like, that's United, all that means.
1: His wins above replacement, which is what war stands for, mm-hmm. is the 78%. Uh, war as a stat is trying to be a catch all, right? It's trying to conglomerate all the statistics in the league into how much a player actually helps his team win hockey games. Yep, I will say. Always take war with a grain of salt. Every iteration of war that you're going to find anywhere is going to have biases based on the weights put onto it
0: by its creator. Famously, famously, the sport that actually came up with this and actually implements it really well is baseball. And they have two different war formulas that are regularly cited in almost all analytics conversations. It's, oh, are you using... You know, all, all, I, I prefer baseball references. War. Yep. Like, Okay. Cool. So that's it's important to note that uh, while uh, its attempts are being made in hockey, they're still not great. It's still in its infancy. And uh, twenty years from now, I think we'll have a much, More much surprise. better feeling uh, for this for these types of numbers. Yep. They're nice to look at. Um, uh, the J fresh cards here, this one if, for the goaltender, you can just see how, how Darcy Kemper does even strength PK high danger, medium danger, low danger. The, uh, and again, quality starts, great starts and bad starts are all something that are subjective. It all depends on what that definition is, uh for that, for that particular model, rebound control, consistency, things that, uh, that a
1: little bit more
0: we try to quantify for yeah. goaltenders to try and help us, but definitely are difficult to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you go to McKinnon's chart, you'll see for a skater, it's it's certainly a little bit clearer than with goaltenders. Um, again, <clears throat> some defined by role, whether it be even strength or power play or penalty kill. Yep. Uh, but then they also talk about finishing, which is shooting ability Yep. and then they have some rate stats as well.
0: Yeah, and then um, the quality of competition, quality of teammate. Of those, the one that gets cited most often is quality of competition, and the one that has the biggest uh, Im- impact on a player is actually quality of teammate. Yep. Quality of competition is not nearly as important as quality of teammate.
1: Yep. You can only play with the guys you're out there with. So. Yep. Um, yeah, so these, these JFresh... Cards are they're great. They're,
0: they're really good snapshots of players. Look at a player, yeah, yep. kind of a kind of a players, and uh, over a three year period is really nice because you can see those. in on the right side, they had the graphs with the individual breakdowns with the keys. I just assume that you know how to read a chart, so I wasn't going to explain that part to you. Where blue was offense, red was defense, and the dotted line is finishing. I guess I did explain it to you. So. There you go. Um, but you can see him in each individual year, how he does there. And then those numbers on the left are what those percentages are across all three years, with the most recent year being the most heavily weighted of the three.
1: Yeah. I do want to reiterate, advanced statistics are important. I They're great. They, they show a lot of actual real data that can support ideas or what a player does and doesn't do. Yep that doesn't mean that you should not watch hockey games and just only look at the statistics. The eye test is still worth something for a a lot of situations.
0: Yeah, because if you uh, throw up the the Devontaev's one, if we have it, there it is. So you throw this guy looks like the best defenseman in the NHL. But then you do look at something like a quality of competition, and you say he's facing legit quality of competition. Mm-hmm. Is he facing the absolute toughest assignment that he possibly could be? No. No. Yep. And so you look at that and you say, okay, well, I want to consider that as part of the conversation uh, for best defenseman in the NHL. He's obviously statistically here. I mean, you just, you look at it. He's elite guys crazy, (laughs) but you do want to, okay. Hey, you look at your quality of competition. You say, all right, it might be a little lacking compared to a different guy, but that is, I mean, that is, you look at that and you're saying that's an elite hockey player. Yep. It just is. And then when you say, Hey, the 36%, he must not be very good on a power play. But then you consider that's where you dig into it and you look at the actual role that he plays and you say, oh, he's used on the second power play, which sometimes only gets 25 seconds to try and do its job. Right. And if he doesn't score in those 25 seconds in four different power play opportunities for five games in a row, yeah, I would say those power play numbers are probably not going to be very good.
1: Well, and you look at, you know, some of those power plays when you're playing with an injured team, his the players he's passing to on that right. year, include Tyson Jost.
0: Yeah. Uh, and this is where quality of teammate won't get calculated because it's only at five V five. Yep. Um and the quality of, of teammate and quality of competition on special teams aren't factored into that. Yep. So that's where that's where you're like, oh All right. the more you know.
1: Looks like our next chart is a Wowie chart.
0: Is this spider? Okay, yeah. So this is this is tough for a lot of people to read, and I debated on just not messing with it, but I did want to touch on it to let people know that these do exist. Uh, again, they're hard to read, uh, but if you look at uh, if you look at this, it shows you Nathan McKinnon and his on ice results with other players. Yep, and. Uh, to be honest with you, it just you just have to just be really, able to read this. It's a chart. Yep. Yeah. Like the, you have the, to, I can't I, I don't know how to explain that to you in a way that the key doesn't. But um basically the blue boxes are McKinnon. You see McKinnon in the little gray box is his baseline, and then you see um the blue boxes McKinnon without the without whichever teammate, and it's got their number, and the red box is the player with uh, without McKinnon. So the blue yeah. box is McKinnon without that guy. The red box is that guy without just the, McKinnon and the impacts that they have.
1: Just as an example, at the very top there, you'll see the 92 in red. So Gabe Landeskog without McKinnon gives up very, very few goals against per 60. Yep. Um, he also scores a lot.
0: Yeah. None of these are my advanced statistics. I use everybody else's data and incorporate it into my work. Yeah.
1: Most of the charts we will use come from Micah, which is. Yeah,
0: come from Hockey Viz. It's my preferred place to go. It's the easiest ones for me to read. And he has some wild ass ones that I just left out of here where you're just like. Some
1: crazy, crazy stuff that
0: he's got on there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
1: um, Okay. Next up, it looks like uh, the saving and finishing charts, which these will be team wide. We often will use player specific ones as well here, but
0: yeah, I like these uh, because it's it really gives you an idea of where teams are shooting from, uh, and in in this case, it's where team you know the one on the left is where teams are scoring their goals. Yep, you really get an idea of like where the goals get scored from in an NH in a, 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 across NHL
1: yeah this is i do want to talk about this and this is just kind of like one of those weird things um you'll see the abs expected goals for in all situations there is 92.4 and they have 113 goals um quality nhl high-end nhl players regularly outperform their expected goals for so it's not like this is some impossible unsustainable thing wow the app's goal pace is fairly ridiculous it's not unusual for high-end offensive teams to outpace their expected goals for
0: yep the apps have done it a couple of years in a row
1: so it's not advanced statistics are weird you you can't take things necessarily at face value where you see one thing is higher than the other so that means it's going to regress yep Uh, you have to understand how the stats function together at times which
0: yep skill level plays a role into it and it's hard to figure out like where's the skill, right? Where, where does skill begin and, uh, or where does skill end and luck begin? Yep. And that's just understanding. That's really more than anything else. Understanding outliers. Yep. Uh, When a guy, when a guy shoots 22%,
1: shout out PDO as well.
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: The closest to a luck statistic that the NHL has at the moment. Um, you don't know PDO is just on ice save percentage plus on ice shooting percentage for any given player when he's out there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's
1: a statistic that generally trends towards 100.
0: Uh, yeah. It, it one it really it's represented in 1000. Yeah. 1.000, um, yeah. Yeah, and it gets most teams that are teams that are absurdly lucky hang out in the 110 range. In the short term, over the course of a season, it's more like 105. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the teams that are absurdly unlucky hang out in the, like, 970 range or, or below. Anything below, like, 960 is ridiculous. <laughs> you, you are so fucking snakebit at that point yeah. that you're wondering what you did to piss off... <laughs> The hockey gods.
1: Yeah, you've done something wrong along the way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, for example, the Avs were one of the unluckiest teams ever in sixteen seventeen, and their PDO at 5v5 was a 970. Yep. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, we have the power play heat map. So, if you don't know, this chart shows where... Colorado is in the PK side where they're getting shot at from in the zone and on the power play side, where they're shooting the puck from uh, the orange areas being where they shoot more from and the purple areas being where they shoot less from. Yep. Um, and then you have the, the XGF and XGA stats, which are per 60 and then the, the plus is relative to the league.
0: Where Yeah. The, the, the big thing here is locations looking at where, where the shots are coming from, Uh, and then looking at the percentage. I don't ever really honestly look at the uh, actual XGA per 60 number. Yeah. Because not super relevant. Yeah, It's not incredibly important, uh, but it is nice to know uh, the the percentage tells you where it is relative to league average. So in this case, uh, the PK is brutally bad because it is 16% worse than your league average, and your power play is 13% better than your league average in terms of create on the power play. It's creating chances uh, and dangerous chances. And on the defense, on the PK, it's allowing chances. The fact that the entire area right in front of the yeah. net is just like, it, it, it just looks like a, right. I guess it's, it doesn't really look like anything. It's just an orange blob, That it's just that area right in front of that's a, huge problem well,
1: and here's how like real world application of this works right the abs pull up this pk chart and they go okay our system is not defending the net front well at all they need yep. to do a better job of that you look at the abs if an opposing team is looking at the abs power play one they're saying wow the Avs love to shoot the puck from the right circle maybe we should shade that a little bit better
0: well the problem with the the abs power play is you can see
1: the mckinnon spot on the left well there.
0: they they there's a couple of areas right in front of the net is obviously a huge problem Yep. because they're doing they're doing damage immediately in front of the net now it's a limited area as it obviously doesn't cover the whole thing uh like what they're giving up on their pk but it's it, right in front of the net so you want to worry about that but you also have to worry about where miko stands or kale stands and where mckinnon stands that's looking at it and just being like, "Great."
1: They got threats from everywhere. Yeah, uh, and you can see when you compare the two, the Evs tend to do a little bit better of a job of preventing teams from penetrating from the half wall on the penalty kill as they yeah. get, as they do themselves. But there's there's also a royal road right down the middle, which isn't great. Uh, there's these charts also apply to five on five, which we have one for Colorado here. And you can see it's a significantly better on the defensive side for the Abs at five on five.
0: Yeah, for the record, both of these were world class last season. They were yeah. both in the twenties,
1: which is outrageous.
0: Yeah, like absolutely freaking crazy. Um. I'm not sure what else to really say about yeah, this. Uh, just it just shows. Of it at
1: five on five, yeah. it
0: shows a a very good offense, and it shows a very good defense. Uh, I can't tell you just from keeping track of these things because uh, I look at them pretty regularly. That defensive chart has consistently gotten better as the season has gone on. Uh, the offensive chart is it's it's gotten better, but it hasn't really been on like a, tra- a consistent trajectory. It's been pretty like they've been good most of the year. When you consider the injuries and the lineup changes and all the context that this stuff completely lacks, it's uh, it's pretty impressive that they are on the correct
1: side of both where they defense are. and offense, yep. Uh, next up we have some year to year statistics. Uh, this just shows that you can see the change of of statistics that these are j fresh, yeah. but
0: these are these are moving these these pop around pretty frequently. This is uh, last year's uh, to this year's. Uh, these will go away once there are enough games played for last year's. Yep. Um, and you can see the biggest thing here, like he's pretty much in the realm of everything. Nice uh, he's significant change, yeah. He's still an he's still an elite player. He's still producing at a crazy rate. He's still doing everything at a high level. Even the defense dropping a little bit. It's still, um, I mean, fifty three percent. He's not. It's certainly not a bad defense. It's trending in the wrong direction, but it could thing be better got there. there is but scoring goals. The biggest the biggest thing here, yeah. It's really just the finishing. Yep. Penalties is how often a guy takes penalties. McKinnon doesn't take very many, so this year, this year he's taken very, very few penalties. Yep. Uh,
1: and then you, you, continuing on with McKinnon, you have these charts we use all the time, especially when you have the Avs acquire player. A, a player's specific isolated impacts. Um, you can see even strength and the little bit of power play and penalty kill too. Yeah, McKinnon. It's just a, a ridiculous death weapon on the power play, as you can see.
0: Yeah, that plus 10% uh, uh, on the power play is crazy. The plus 17% at even strength is one of the higher numbers in the NHL yep. that you will see. The minus 2% uh, isolated on defense is really encouraging, um, and these are isolated impacts. Yep, the,
1: the to the best of their ability, what this player brings specifically. and Yep. What we'll regularly do is we'll take a player's isolated and then compare them to the team's overall numbers. And you you can do a little bit of a with and without you chart where it's like, wow, these numbers are significantly better with Nathan McKinnon compared to the team average.
0: Yep. Shootiness is how much a player shoots. Yep. Just the, the rates of his shots.
1: Which McKinnon shoots a lot.
0: He shoots a lot, but he also has the puck so much. Uh, that his numbers are actually
1: relative to. Yeah. It's not like Ov levels where his right. shootingness is like plus twenty three or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you know, a guy that doesn't possess a puck very much that fires a ton of pucks at the net.
1: Brent Burns style.
0: Yeah. Although In a, a year hard. like this one, like Nazem yeah. Kadri's is probably pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to go and look just to just to see. Uh, so you guys were you guys were wanting to see Devon Taves's PK versus Eric Johnson's. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna download them and upload them to the to the stream yard right now. But Eric Johnson was, I think, plus twenty four percent, and Devon Taves is negative eighteen percent. Just a minor so. difference there. Yeah, so your guys' eye test is matching up with reality. Yeah, that thing won't stop moving yeah. around, will it? it?
1: Just keeps uh keeps dangling behind it. Dude,
0: it's i I'm in I'm in my nephew's like playroom right now.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> Oh yeah, look at that. Give me some of those toys.
0: Also yeah. where I'm sleeping.
1: <laughs> these, the dream.
0: These, these bunk beds. <laughs> yeah. Alright. So. Anyway.
1: So that's all the charts we have. Uh, Yeah.
0: If you guys have any questions, I want this to be like the show that we refer to. So I want to leave no stone unturned here. If anybody has any other questions, wants to see anything in particular, um, now, now is absolutely the time because I I don't want to, I don't want to revisit this. Um, Maybe, maybe like once a year we do something like this just as a refresher uh, because people are always asking, no, man, I sleep on the, I'm not climbing all the way up top. I would, I would have anxiety the entire night about uh, rolling out of it because I'm a really violent sleeper.
1: What is Um, our isolated PK percentage? Uh, Whatever it is, it's going to be pretty small sample size. He has not played very much PK, so take it with a grain of salt, I would say. But I'm sure AJ will get it here for us in a second. Uh, It's... It is plus
0: forty five percent in nineteen minutes. So
1: really bad, but
0: so really, really, truly awful. <laughs> truly awful. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I know somebody wanted to know what McDermott was earlier. I'm. I'm sure. I haven't actually looked good. at it in a while. Uh, it got better.
1: It, it's going to be weird too, right? Cause it's not going to divvy up his defensive no. and forward outings. It's just going to be total. Yeah.
0: But, uh, his isolated is negative nine on offense and plus 24 on defense. And that got better. Yeah. And that's still bad. Yeah. Um, four minutes with McDermott on the PK, however, is a negative 49%. Play him on the PK. Yeah. Play him on that five on three.
1: <laughs> Put him with McCarr on the PK. Just- it was, it was just him
0: out. standing in that five-on-three against Nashville, just having watching a, them not do anything.
1: Having a chat with Kemper, like, what's up? I guess it wasn't with Kemper, it was Frankie. But...
0: For the record, the uh, the offense has gotten better with uh, McDermott on the ice to the point where it's at plus 4%. So, functional at least. Yeah, the 5v5 offense, or... 5% on offense and 4% on defense, it, which has gotten a much, much better. On defense, it was at like plus 50% at one point. It was That's insanely bad.
1: Not killing you at what it yeah. is now. And
0: plus 4% is very survivable. Plus
1: um, minus is analytics. Yeah, I mean, so plus minus is a very early, poorly thought out version of an yeah. advanced statistic, right? It's a
0: terrible, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible stat. Um, my favorite example of this is the the game. Do you guys remember the game a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where Brad Stewart scored from center ice yep. against Chicago? Yeah, he didn't get a plus for that because he
1: he dumped he
0: dumped the puck into the zone and went for a change, and the puck went in while he was on the bench, so he didn't get he actually didn't get credit for that. He got he didn't get a plus for a goal he scored. So that right there. Obviously, that's that's a hilarious anecdotal outlier. Uh, but plus minus is you. It's it's. We said this at the top of the show. It's ninety eight percent useless.
1: There's just too many factors that go into plus yep. minus for it to really tell you a whole lot.
0: The only ones that ever make you go "huh" are the extremes. The extremes. That's... And that's... The the only thing that the extremes tell you is, I need to dig into this further.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Like, you look at Eric Johnson and his... What is it? Plus 15? I think so, yeah. Yeah. His plus 15 right now. And you dig into his numbers, and you're just like, Oh. I would be willing to bet that he is... uh, He's got a really high PDO. And if I... Look him up real quick. Sure that he does. Let's see if my initial thought is correct.
1: Survey says
0: 1038.
1: Yeah, that's fairly high.
0: An insanely high PDO. Yep. Um, oddly enough, the guy who has the highest PDO also has the highest plus minus in Devon Tates. Where they differ, however, uh, the, Devon Taves' is 5v5 on-ice save percentage is 93.39. Uh Eric Johnson's biggest thing here driving his success is his on-ice shoot percentage is 12.33 at 5v5. <laughs> so, hooks in. Yeah, 12.33 is a very high on- That's the abs as a team are shooting just over 12%. <laughs> With Eric Johnson on the ice at 5v5. So So, he's benefiting from truly elite shooting and okay goaltending. His goaltending is fine.
1: War is, the concept of war is wins above replacement, which is essentially also win shares. Uh, It's trying to quantify how many wins can be attributed to a player.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Versus a replacement level player. A baseline Yep your absolute most average forgettable NHL player. How Don't many more skin. wins per valuable or how many, how many more wins uh, is that player worth? Uh, In so years, Sheldon
1: dries is basically your example of a zero war player, not positive, not negative. He just exists. Um, mm-hmm. it, war is a relevant stat. It, it can, it's, it's designed to be an overarching coverall that it kind of quantifies everything as a one stat because of that. Take it with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah. There are a
1: lot of inaccuracies or biases that go into them. There's also Ooh. GAR for NHL is another version of it, which is goals, goals above
0: replacement. replacement. Yep. Um, the big thing, the big thing with the Moneyball movement in baseball, which is where all of this kind of started, uh, was that if, if you go and watch the movie, Jonah Hill explains it pretty, pretty, pretty succinctly, and he says how how teams value wins is fundamentally broken in baseball you need to generate x number of runs to win x number of games on average that will get you to where you want to go if you're trying to win 95 games you need x number of runs to get there Um, just historically speaking Uh, and so the the goals above replacement is trying to do the same thing is you're trying to say, okay, if we're gonna win, if we're gonna win 55 games in the Presidents Trophy, how many goals do we need to score to get there? And then you work backwards from there, um, trying to you know trying to figure out how many goals does this guy prevent, how many goals does this guy generate, and then you just sort of it all adds up over time. All right, this guy's worth this number of goals. This guy's worth this number, and that's how you build your team from there. Um, that's how modeling works. Baseline so, player
1: is the same regardless of position and TUI and all of that. By the way, you're you're either a net positive or a net negative player when yep. it comes to war. That's all there is to it.
0: Yep. Um, and the, the big thing is, is that war is way more useful in baseball because everything about exactly almost everything in baseball so, yeah. is individual based. Yep. And uh, hockey is still such a team component. Uh, very, very little is accomplished individually in hockey. Almost yep. everything re- requires at least the use of two teammates. If it's not, so, new,
1: it's on a highlight reel of kale, McCargo and coast to coast or something like that. It doesn't happen very often. You right.
0: Know? And so it's really important to keep in mind that the war stuff, the gar stuff, all of that is, like I said earlier, it's in its infancy in hockey for a reason. Yep. It's, it's, it's trying to like, where the analytics community is trying to translate it trying to get it to fit hockey. Um, but it's it's running into all of the same problems. I mean, it's just it's just not an individual sport the way that baseball is, yep. where everything can be boiled down to. This guy does this. Yep.
1: Uh, a couple more questions from Billy here. When you're looking at a possible trade target UFA, how do you take into account team systems feeding into how that player actually will fit into the system? Uh, do you look at relative percents? So AJ kind of already mentioned this, but they're internal. Metrics are going to do a lot better job than anything available to the public in doing Mm -hmm. that. Uh, But yes, teams will absolutely look at how a player might or might not fit into their systems.
0: Yeah. And when you look at, you look at recent avalanche examples, let's look at some of the big wins. Nazem Kadri was an easy one. He was a proven top six center who had multiple 30 goal seasons in his career and was just being overpaid to be a third-line center on a team that had two elite center options, two high-end center options. That was just an easy one. That's not one where you have to look at very much modeling. That's one where you're probably doing more consideration of his contract status at the time of the trade and saying, hey, we get a 2C signed for less than $5 million for three full seasons. Sign me up, dog. Uh, but the other ones, when you look at Andre Burakovsky and Valnachushkin, you consider their roles. you consider what they did well and how they fit into what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, as a as a means of okay, well, how can this guy help us? Okay. Andre Burakovsky, you needed a little more offensive punch. The Tyson Jost, JT Comfort, Alex Kerfoot didn't get it done. You had to move Kerfoot anyway. Um, so you took that away you needed to figure it out. Okay. You figured it out. You went and got Andre Burakovsky to replace some lost offense and then gave him a bigger role under the belief that this guy can flourish. And then you also dig into some of the micro stuff as a transition player. He was really good. He really excelled Well, you play a very transition heavy style. So if he's good at doing that. It stands to reason he could help you in this way. Now, you're never really going to know, obviously, until you get the guy in there and he he plays in that role for you. But that's kind of how you build the concept of a player acquisition.
1: The two different situations you're talking about, Nazem Kadri, an established player, you more or less know what you're getting. Yeah, Burkowski and Nachushkin, you have to do a significant amount of projection with those players.
0: Especially Nachushkin, who was on the outs in the league.
1: Yep. And, you know, with the Nachushkin acquisition, there was a pretty low risk value there, right? If Nachushkin didn't work, it's a one-year and he'd have
0: been gone. One-year minimum salary deal is what it is. But you
1: have to be able to project these players into your lineup and roles. And if you can do that consistently, every NHL team in the league would like to hire you today. Uh,
0: Which is why you see Chris McFarland interviewing around the league because his influence has helped improve Colorado's front office process a million times.
1: Yeah. Um, when we're doing our things in videos. Yeah. We, I mean, we do our best to project a player into the AVs system. It's mostly from a stylistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at what the abs do well we look at the way they like to play and then you look at the player and say okay well he's a high possession player he likes to push pucks forward his you know he's good in entries exits whatever the situation he might be good in um it's a balancing act though right mm-hmm. you don't want to be too samey you don't want too much of the same thing sometimes you need a jack johnson to bring a different look to One. it or whatever
0: as we've seen in recent weeks with the Curtis McDermott thing, like, look, we hated the acquisition. We hated the cost of it. We hated the playing of him on defense. And you saw those results. He produced horrible results. Yep. And then they moved him up to forward. He kept working. They wanted to get him in the lineup. They really liked him as a locker room guy. They really liked him as a kind of a crazy presence. Uh, if you, if you fuck with the abs, this guy will hunt you down and, you know, scare the bejesus out of you
1: to your face. Yep.
0: The ads wanted the ads wanted some crazy. And so they went and they got some crazy hockey player. Be damned. Because I can guarantee you the analytics guys were like, dude, no, <laughs> the answer is no
1: <laughs> hard. No.
0: Yeah. And, but they wanted that personality. They, that's why I say it takes a village. Not every analytics. Don't drive every single decision. But they play a role into it. There's a reason that the analytics guys for the abs. and I don't know for, I I, I don't like I can't confirm, like on a personal like I haven't spoken to them and said how'd you guys feel about the McDermott thing, uh, but I would just be willing to bet that from their perspective, from what they do well, they looked at his on ice results, they looked at his analytics, and they said no. What
1: what's the quote from Micah? He said like if an NHL team paid me to say no three times a year, I'd be worth it or something like that.
0: Yeah. If a team wants to pay me a million dollars a year to just keep them from making bad decisions a couple times a season, that was, that was his whole basis.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um,
1: all right. I think we, we've covered all the questions coming in.
0: Um, Yeah. If you guys have any last minute stuff, again, we don't want to, we want this to kind of stand on its own for a while. Uh, and then yes, Andy did make some graphs for us. Um, she's always she's she's always had an open door whenever she wants to write. DNVR is the place we want her to do it. Um, if you want, she did write a them. bunch of she did write a bunch of articles on the site. You can go back uh, and dig into them. I don't remember what they're called anymore, but she wrote a series of them, uh, breaking breaking all of it down from the very basics to the at the time some of the more advanced stuff
1: there's an actual phd level dissertation on nail yakupov still somewhere on the site
0: uh true it was (laughs) interesting
1: thing was insane um shout out to andy for that it's crazy good work
0: yeah she always did amazing work she just took time
1: yep uh all right i'm just here seeing you guys say thank you so i guess we're we're gonna wrap this one up uh, we'll tag I, out, we'll
0: see you guys on the other side of the holidays.
1: Yeah, we're not going to be live tomorrow. It's Christmas Eve, so we hope everyone has a, a wonderful holiday. We will be back.
0: I tried to get us to do a show, but everybody else vetoed it. Yeah. And I wasn't going to go live by myself and just be like, hey, guys, what's up?
1: We're taking that one. If the Avs are actually playing or not, we'll certainly be live on Monday. Uh, there's a good chance the Avs are playing over New Year's Eve. So if they are, you know you can find our pre-post-game pods, all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, we hope y'all have a wonderful holidays and we will talk to you again, I guess on Monday.